Jared, every time we get Tim Fuller on from Gaydon's Lawyers, we always have a joke. Uh, yeah, well, no doubt you'll join us next week because there'll be something in the world of sport that will need your legal We can nearly get attention. him on every day. <laughs> and it always seems that something always pops up. This time it's netball and the diamonds and Gina Reinhardt. And Tim joins us now from Gaydon's Lawyers. Tim, good morning. Morning, Paul. Uh, g'day, Jared. So this time, Tim, from a, from a, the, a, a legal matter, the Diamonds were in action on the weekend and we found out late Friday that they weren't going to wear the Hancock Prospecting logo on their uniforms because it seems as though some current players and past players have taken exception to being associated with Gina Reinhardt and Hancock Prospecting. And some of them have even gone back and quoted Lang Hancock for some of the things he said back in the 60s. Yeah, it's a little bit rich, isn't it, really, Paul? Um, look, you know, in looking at this, because it's happened so quickly over a really, really short period of time, you know, I think um, the old saying comes to mind, um, be careful what you wish for, because um, I can say that I've had experience in relation to contracts with Hancock prospecting in another sport, and I won't go into those sort of details, but the idea that they're not going to wear a uniform with just the Hancock prospecting logo, um, I would suggest that the contracts that are between Hancock and the sport require, um, you know, put it this way, there's, there's further obligations that the players will need to comply with that are a lot more extensive than just wearing the logo. So, so okay, we don't wear the uniform, um, you know, for a match or two, but there'll be other aspects to the contracts that the players will be required to um, comply with. And, and, look, if they don't, then Hancock Prospecting would have every right to pull the pin and to walk away from the sport of netball, which, which as we all know, um, badly needs injection of um, funding. Jim, surely... Any business uh, that goes uh, that goes into a sponsorship deal with any sport, if you go back far enough, you'll find something that's going to upset somebody in the community. It's getting ridiculous now. Oh, look, absolutely, Jerry. Because you know, even the examination of this situation, you know, there's been the way it's been reported is to do with one particular player and um, some cultural and, and heritage issues. Okay, we can understand that because we've seen that in the past where. You know, for example, Sonny Bill Williams didn't play uh, or didn't wear, if you like, the sponsor's logo due to the fact it was associated with a, with a bank and he had some, a strong stance on that. That was the exception for one player. But then it's also been reported that it's to do with the team having some objections to um, position on something like climate change from the sponsor. Well, you know, where does it stop? Um, yes, we can understand that some people, you know, have objections culturally, heritage-wise, and maybe there can be leeway with that, maybe. But, you know, when you start to, like, you know, social engineer and bring in issues to do with, you know, climate change or it could be, you know, to do with, you know, as we've seen previously, um, same-sex marriage, you know, how long is a piece of string? And there could always be a person who have an objection and 
does their does their position override? You know, the teams. I mean, this is this is a real danger. You know, it's a real danger to what's happening. One of the agitators seems to be a. Uh, um Shani Norder, she's taken a set against having Hancock involved. Now, Shani is part of the consortium that was put together to offer that financial package to Netball Australia, and that was declined now. It's uh, uh, the Sports Environment Alliance is what it's about, and their CEO is an environmentalist, but Shani is also an ambassador there. So I think she's she's got a bit of self-interest there that should be clarified as well when she says she doesn't like a uh, Hancock prospecting being there with Netball Australia. It's also because their consortium has lost that the ability to effectively own Netball Australia. So she has got a uh, a conflict of interest there, Tim. Yeah, and, and look, her, her position is she's a former past president of the Players Association. So if anything, she is she is very mindful of the role of, you know, the Players Association. I mean, the Players Association can advise the players. I'm not sure whether they're consulted in relation to this particular deal or not, um, the Players Association, what, what role they had. But the fact is that she knows how the process works. And, you know, she's not representing the players in the sense that she's on the Players Association um, currently. And really, the Players Association should be... Um, the, the representative of the players and they should be, you know, the ones that are probably coming out and, and taking a position, you know, on this. And so that, that's a little bit of a mystery how much influence, um, you know, this, you know, former players have had. Tim, away from that, we learnt on, on Friday morning that Brett Ratton had been sacked as the head coach of St Kilda. What surprised everyone, not so much, you know, football coaches get sacked each and every season, but Brett had just penned a new deal, a two-year contract extension, back in July. And as it was pointed out, he didn't even last 100 days and he's no. been terminated already. I think what's really interesting about, Paul, about um, you know, this case, and there'll be others, is the way the contracts are changing for coaches you know, within professional sports. So, I mean, there are some specifics here in relation to AFL. Um, St Kilda are an AFL-assisted club which means that they receive financial assistance from the AFL in the form of, of loans. Um, and we all know that there are clubs that are in non-traditional AFL areas like, you know, the Giants and the Suns, and they receive, you know, substantial sort of funding in relation to, um, you know, their, their sort of um, management of the club, et cetera, et cetera. It doesn't mean they get more money under the cap. It just means they get more money in, in the soft cap to run the club, um, whereas clubs like Collingwood, you know, don't. So, look, we, we understand that the AFL play a big role in this, but the way the contracts are now structured, you know, with coaches, particularly for these clubs that are AFL-assisted, is that if you sign a two-year deal or an extension, such as, you know, Rabs did, um, there's no guarantee, of course, that you're going to be paid the full amount of your extended contract. So it's been reported that he'll get a six-month, you know, payout, and that's the way that they structure these contracts now so that, you know, if they terminate you... Um, without cause, in other words, for any reason, okay, not for misconduct or something like that, um, but just the fact that they decide to, you know, give you the boot, um, you won't receive all of your amounts, regardless of how long you sign for. Yeah, it, it's rather strange, and uh, well, we've often asked you this one, Tim, about um, how these contracts are written, but I guess bearing this one in mind and several others, uh, you know, Des Hassler, et cetera, 
maybe those contracts are going to change again the way they're written. Yeah, you're right, Jerry, because, um, you know, if you've got, like, you know, leverage and bargaining power, like, say, you know, Wayne Bennett, okay, you're probably most likely able to get a, a fixed contract. So Bennett agrees to join the Dolphins, you know, for three years, five years, whatever it may be. His contract will be that if he's to be terminated at whatever stage and for whatever reason, he would get, you know, a full payout. Like, when you've got that bargaining power, you can... You can essentially mm. have your contracts, you know, structured like that. When you are in a different sort of position, um, you know, there are provisions in there that if you are to be sacked, like, say, exactly in the case of, like, Brett Ratton, um, because you've only gone so far into the contract, you're going to get six months. Or if you go a little bit further, it might be nine months. You know, there's all these different different types of, you know, um, stages you'd like of the contract so it really depends on the case but it's not a great situation because obviously the contracts vary from coach to coach whereas as we all know the players they have standard contracts and those contracts are consistent doesn't matter who you are you know they don't change apart from like how much money you've paid or how long you you're um you know you're playing for so yeah the coach's situation is, is tricky and cricket has also got some legal issues as well, and we've got the proposed change to the Code of Conduct that could see David Warner's lifetime ban from leadership roles with the Aussie cricket team overturned, and we could see David with the uh, the C beside his name. Yeah, I think it's really interesting, Paul, this one, because um, it's been reported that the, the, the uh, proposed changes to the Code of Conduct are... Uh, essentially to allow someone like, say, David Warner, who's served a certain, you know, pendants, if you like, or a certain time, um, some sort of sanction to come back into the role that they may be. So so it's essentially based on a, you know, a, um, a good conduct provision, if you like, that if they, can, you know, basically um, play up or they've done something wrong over a period of time, if they're able, if they're able to repair their reputation show that they're a fit and proper person, they can return to that role. I think it sort of seems to be sensible. Yeah, you know, the idea of a lifetime ban, you know, is, is really, I think, it's, you know, excessive. But the fact is that, we, you know, we all make mistakes. He would still be punished, you know, under the code of conduct. That seems sensible. Um, but over a period of time, if he's able to show that he is meeting the standards that the sport requires, then... Um, there would be this, you know, if you like, um, provision that allows him to come back into the game or to come back into a leadership role in, in like, his case. It seems a good so, move. I'm not so sure most of the, the fans out there, the cricketing fans out there, would agree with that sentiment, Tim, because well, it's Dave Warner. Yeah. If it was anybody else, you might get away with it. Yeah, Pat Cummins said, yeah. oh, the, the, the players and the coaching staff would be happy. I'm with Jared though, Tim. I don't know if all the fans would be. No, but I suppose the distinction, the, the point to make is that this is just how the contracts or the, or the change in the code of conduct work. So we understand that maybe with player A, but, you know, player B, C and D, um, that's, how, that's how the change would work. Tim, I, uh, I know a, uh, a friend of a friend who was banned from a, a, uh, a drinking establishment here in Brisbane <laughs> due to poor behaviour and he was given a lifetime ban and he objected to it. So they... Um, they changed it. He got 99 years. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. So it's probably, probably the same bloke I'm thinking of, so yeah, I know a few of those. <laughs> Good on you, Tim. Uh, yeah, and our producer, just Clark, James Clark, just said he'll call you tomorrow morning to work out a time that will get you on for another legal matter.
Yeah, good as gold. Sounds good. <laughs> All right, boys, have a good day. Thanks, Tim. There he is, Tim Fuller from Gaydon's Lawyers.